0: So, Acts chapter 6. We are journeying through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we are taking the scenic route. Um, we started on Easter Sunday in Acts chapter 1, and we are still in Acts chapter 6. And you say, Darren, we were in Acts chapter 6 last week. I'm well aware of that, but there's something else God wants us to see here. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And verse 5, it says, this proposal pleased the whole group. Let's pray. Father, when we uh, get to your word, we just want to dive in and let you speak to us. And I know that you have a word for each of us individually. We've all come from different places and different worlds and different experiences this week. But we know that you have a word for each of us individually today. And so as we dive into your word, we pray that it would be a light to our path. It would illuminate the direction of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I have spent uh, the last, if if, if you've been around, you know this, but if you're new, I've spent the last 15 years of my life in the uh, music business. and. I have made some really great decisions when I signed bands and I have made some really terrible decisions when I signed artists. Um, I love it when people uh, take credit for these things because, uh, really at the end of the day, it's God's divine providence. And we love to, as to take credit for those things that we, that did, that did awesome. But we don't like to talk about the fact that in 1997, this young girl came to my office and I thought she probably, I didn't see it. I didn't think it was going to do anything at all. And, and, uh. And uh, so I said, no, thank you. Good luck and Godspeed. And it was a girl named Jennifer Knapp. And um, so, yeah. And then the next one was this a band that came in. And I thought, man, Marilyn Mans- Manson ate my girlfriend's song. There's no way. That's, that's ridiculous. Uh, so I said, good luck and, and hope that goes well for you. And, and that was a band called Reliant K. And for those of you keeping track, that is now two gold artists, selling artists, that I said no thank you to. Mm-hmm. And so... The next band that came in, it was all from the same label. I thought, I don't even care. They could bring in polka praise for all I care. I'm signing it. Because this label's got, this is King Midas. And they brought in a band that I shouldn't even say the name. But if I did you, it wouldn't matter because you wouldn't know them. Because they went nowhere. So uh, all that to say, you know, you got we're making decisions in the world I was in. And sometimes it went really great. And sometimes it went really badly. But what I learned over the years was as I was going to, sign artists and manage their careers that I had to learn how to focus in on where my, look, what was my wheelhouse? What was I good at? What, where did God wired me to do? And I learned over the years that that was specifically youth-based, a little more rock and roll, edgy, you know, hopefully some tats. If not, we can get those. Um, Pierce something, you know. And So that was sort of my wheelhouse, and and very ministry-based, Christ-centric. That was my wheelhouse. Every time I stepped out of that wheelhouse, it was a disaster. And and there were times that somebody would come in, and they were just nice, and they were great, and they loved the Lord. But it wasn't what God had wired me to do. And every time I did that, it would be a a disaster. And I, I learned then that focus was key, that God had wired me to do something fairly specific And as long as I stuck in that and stayed in my lane, so to speak, that is going to be okay. And the minute I veered out of the lane, I'm crashing into people. And so keep it between the lines. And what we see in Acts 6 is that in the early church, the guys that had launched this thing, that God had specifically wired them for a specific element and layer of ministry that they needed to keep focused on. And so here it is. The church is brand new, and they've gone from just adding now to multiplication. They went from hundreds to now thousands. And, man, it would have been extremely tempting for them to get their eye off of the ball, to go do these. I mean, this is an awesome ministry. We talk about awaiting tables, but they were feeding the poor. What an awesome opportunity. And it would have been very tempting for them to do that. But they, in this moment, did something made a decision that was recorded by God in the book of Acts so that we could study it today and see maybe even if we could get some truth for our little nickel and dime operation here, Conduit Church, as God is adding and blessing and growing, how can we best take this and look at what they did and apply it in our world? You see, it, we live in a society where busy you know, frantic busy sometimes is kind of considered the norm. It's sort of this cultural thing that if we're really, really, really busy doing all kinds of stuff, shotgun blasting our way through life, that we can be successful because we feel like activity equates honor and good and it's positive if we're really, really busy. The truth is, is this, God has wired you and me for something that shouldn't even require that kind of energy, that kind of flapping and flailing and desperation, because if his burden really is easy, if his load really is light, then I think that we can find that thing that God has wired you to do, I to do, and it isn't a frantic search, it isn't like a bunch of energy, it's like I'm in my wheelhouse, I'm in the sweet spot of what God has called me to do. And I am looking at a room right now full of people who are gifted of God to do something on this earth that he has wired you specifically to do. And you might say, I I think you're right. That resonates with me. I don't know what it is. Some of you already know. Some of you have been very, uh, you know it, and you're in it, and you know, Darren, that's true, and that's what's happening in my life, and I can speak from experience that that's awesome. So the way that we find that, is Romans 12. Now, when you're going to Romans 12, I'm going to give you a heads up. Go ahead and put a finger in 1 Corinthians 12 as well, because we're going to go there very soon. I believe that God has wired you and me individually, and this is a great day if you don't know what it is, because I think that God's word will, as it always does, reveal and put a light to your path so you can see what it is that God has wired you to do, what it is where you fit, where it is that God, what God has wired you to do, and if you're in the wrong lane, to be able to switch back and realize, oh, this is a whole lot easier when I'm in this lane. And in Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual, the King James calls it, reasonable act of worship. Notice that for sure. It's reasonable. Like people, with, with what you know, Shannon and I have just done, where I, I walked away from a company that, that we'd founded and it was doing very well, and to walk away, you might think, man, that's really noble. I could never do that. And I want you to know that that is not true. Paul says that it's reasonable. That's just a reasonable thing to do. And it's reasonable for three reasons, and I'm just going to skip through them, and you can write them and go back to them later. But one, it's reasonable because of what he did for me on Calvary. And I mean me, and I mean you. That when he was on the cross, somehow this miracle was that he thought of me and my garbage and my stuff and what, he, what I was, had done, will do. He thought of all of that. He thought of you and I. And because of that, and that even would be enough, it's just reasonable. It's just a reasonable thing. So not only for what he did on Calvary, but for where you're going to spend eternity. Now think of this with me. Yeah, we walked away from a company, and, and we had to take a step of faith. And, but I'm going to tell you this. like if, if let's, say that, let's say that 100 years, I'm, a, I'm alive at 100 years old, and somewhere the cryogenically frozen body of Willard Scott is wheeled out onto NBC, the Today Show, and then they, they wish me a happy 100th birthday by Smucker's Jelly or whatever it is that they do. And I, and I make it to 100, okay, which is huge. It's huge enough that you get on the news, okay? So most of you aren't going to do it. In fact, the, f- the fact of the matter is, is at 39 years old, I have crested the hill of midlife and headed down, okay? I walked away from a company. We took a huge step of faith and a million years into eternity. Now, try to imagine that. You can't, but try. Am I going to look back on this moment and think, man, that really stunk? I mean, people that have given their lives in Calcutta, India, and you think, man, that's awesome. I can't believe they did that. A million years into heaven, they're not going to look back going, man, I sure, sure wish I'd have spent my time in Cozumel. They're not going to do that because God is going to bless and to honor and to reward us for what we did this side of heaven. Heaven, obviously, you would think would be good enough. Seems like it. But for some reason, there's something that Jesus, and if he says it's a reward, I ought to believe it for us doing that, for the sacrifices we make this side of heaven reasonable Offering our body is a living sacrifice that we should know that it's going to be rewarded perfectly. And the third reason is what it does for me presently. If you want to be depressed and to be dreary, then spend your days worrying about your stuff, your trinkets, your hobbies, your problems, and isolate yourself off and see how that goes for you. That is a great ticket for being discouraged and alone and depressed Jesus says, with the measure that you meet it out, it will be met back to you. He knows that I and you are intrinsically wired to serve, to give. And as we do it, and if you've done it, you know it to be true. Talk to anybody that's gone to Haiti or to Africa or Indonesia or wherever and ask them how they felt when they came back. Not a single one of them would be, oh, it was terrible, it was awful. No, it was awesome. Because we go there to, quote, bless the people, and we come back realizing, man, they just blessed the socks off of me. That's what Jesus said would happen, that with whatever measure that you meted out, it would be met back to you. And as we are living our lives individually and corporately, if we are giving out of our lives, we're going to be blessed and blown away and full of joy. Now go back with me to Romans. He says this. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's skip ahead just for the sake of time to verse six we all have different gifts according to the grace given us and then he's going to go on and he's going to list spiritual gifts now tune in here for just a second the word gifts here spiritual gifts if you will this is the only time in the bible when the word spiritual gifts is used And now some of you students of the Bible are like, no, 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 I've got to throw a flag on the play. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, Darren, I know that he uses the word spiritual gifts. So let's take a detour to 1 Corinthians 12 and look at that. And I'm going to show you something that I think will be helpful for you. I know it was helpful for me. When he says, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, now about spiritual gifts. If you've got a King James Bible in here today, you might notice that that word gifts, gifts is in italics. Whenever you see a word in italics in the Bible, that's there, and it's noted because it wasn't there in the original text. A translator of the Bible thought, I'm going to be very helpful and help them to understand this more, and I'm going to add this word. This will be very helpful, and it almost never is, because the word there is pneumaticas, and it is a word that we really don't even have a word for. It, the closest would be spirituals. Now, about spirituals, brothers and sisters, and you might think, Darren, why, why does this even matter? Does it, I get it, but why does it matter? Here's why this matters, because you and I have lived in a world where if we don't have one of the, quote, spiritual gifts operating in our life, then we feel maybe a little marginalized. We feel like maybe I don't have any, I don't have this gift or this, so maybe I, what, a, what value do I bring to the table? And I, I want you to know, very specifically today, that this idea of a spiritual gift here can become confusing and can sideline somebody because they didn't understand that, yeah, these are legitimate, and yeah, these are happening, but this isn't a specific, quote, gift. It's an operation of the spirit. It's spirituals, an operation of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 deals with spirituals, with operations. Romans 12 deals with gifts, And here's how he splits it up. If you're a note taker, write this down, and if you're not a note taker, we'll come back and get you in a minute. But in verse 4, he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. That is referring to Romans 12, to the gifts of the spirit. In verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord Jesus. So Verse 4 is gifts and spirit. Verse 5 is service and the same Lord. That's referring to Ephesians 4 where it talks about the the service, the the, the five-fold ministry gift, the pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, service, and it's tied to Jesus. And then he says in verse 6, there are different kinds of working, of operations, but the same God, the Father, works in all of them. It's split up so succinctly and so simply and so perfectly. And not everybody is going to have the operation of the Spirit happening in their life at every given moment. Verse 6 says it's the same operations, but, you know, some people think that they're not for today. And, you know, look, that's, if that's your opinion, that's fine. It's wrong, but it's fine. You know, we, I, I, I talked with a, a buddy of mine who grew up in Indonesia and asking, do you guys have these kinds of debates of the gifts of the Spirit for today or not? You know, and he's like, no, no, no. So when, you're, when you grow up and you see demons all around you, so you, there's no debate. Like nobody's sitting around having a philosophical conversation about whether the Spirit is still alive and well today. We only have that in America. Be that as it may, the gifts, Romans 12. Ministries, service, Ephesians 4, operations, manifestations, that is 1 Corinthians 12. You're thinking, Darren, you've completely lost me. I apologize, we're backing up. And you know what? I would encourage you to get the teaching, go back, dig into this a little bit and understand that, man, God just drew this and painted this so beautifully and we just complicated it and messed it up. Go back with me to Romans 12. Because here, these gifts of the Spirit are gonna be spelled out for us. Now, think with me real quickly on this. if, If I were to say Mike Murray is a very, you know, he's a drummer, he's good at what he does, we would use the word he's gifted at it. He is, you know, talented, he's gifted. And that word, and look, I know this might be semantics, but hang with me. Talent and gift, as far as Romans 12 are concerned, are not the same thing. And this is important also because you might have grown up in an environment where I don't have any talent. I do not sing well. I do not sing like Bethany. I don't play guitar. I don't paint. I don't, I'm not a good businessman. I don't have these talents in my life. What's what what about it for me? Understand that a talent and a gift are not the same thing. If you are talented, your, your talent is a highway on which your gift can travel. But if you're a drummer and your gift is the gift of encouragement, then encouragement will flow through with what you're doing with drums, but that's a talent. That's a God-given thing, and it should be respected and honored, and, and our lives are better for it here on this side of heaven because of art, because of talent, but it isn't just a gift because if you don't have a gift and you're not impossibly good-looking or you're not whatever, it, you know, that is this talent that God has given you, is being impossibly good-looking a talent, Craig? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's, it's not, it, and I say that because All of us have a place to play. We've all got a thing that God has wired us for, a gift that he has put inside of us that, oh, by the way, isn't even for you to begin with. We're couriers. I'm like a UPS driver dropping off the packages that God has specifically wired me to drop off. So whatever gift that is in you, if you're sitting on it and holding it back because you don't feel like, I, I don't have a talent, I'm not this or I'm not that, I don't, I don't have the, the, the discernment or word of wisdom or this, this thing in 1 Corinthians 12, and you're sitting on your gift, I would refer you to Jesus in the parable of the talents. He's, he's wired all of us intrinsically, specifically for this one thing, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And your gift is a specific illumination, a specific thing that, that brings out the truth of Christ. So if it's encouraging, if it's giving, it's and we're going to look at these, in fact, let's just go there. He says, if a man's gift in Romans 12 is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith now keeping in mind each one of these gifts actually does something for the truth prophecy declares truth jesus by the way was the only guy that ever walked the face of the earth that operated in all 7 of these gifts that we're about to see all 7 of them he operated in perfectly and prophecy did he do, he operated in that didn't he because it wasn't just foretelling the future it's forth telling of the truth as well and you see that in john 4 when the woman at the well and he, you know, he said, look, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, you have spoken well because you not only have five husbands, you're the one that you're with now isn't even your husband. And she said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. But he spoke the truth to her forth telling of it and now he's going to foretell the future when he says that there's a time coming when we're not just going to worship on this mountain but there'll be a time coming where we'll worship him and in spirit and in truth prophecy it's really just simply declaring the truth and you might have that gift the punchy proclamation of the truth that sort of piercing honest you know driving piercing so i say the word piercing proclamation of the truth it's prophecy and he says if it is serving Verse 7, let him serve. So if prophecy is declaring truth, serving is illustrating truth. Prophecy is truth with your mouth, serving is truth with your life. And if it is serving, and God has wired some of us just like that. We see it all around us here. If you've been here helping us set up on a Sunday morning, that's serving. I mean, tell you what, hang out in the trailer with me. It is not only an excellent weight loss plan, it cleans your pores, but it's serving. And if God has wired you in that way, then we ought to serve. And of course, we saw Jesus, that gift in him, the night before he died. Look, the night before he died, I would have been in a fetal position crying for my mommy. But he takes off his tunic and he begins to wash his disciples' feet, serving them. That gift of service, that gift of ministry, of serving those around us. In Acts 9, it reminds me of a story of, uh, of someone who had just died in the early church. And they sent for Peter. They were going to pray for resurrection because they were so devastated by this loss. The church was in an uproar. Now, was it John, the apostle? Surely, no. It, it, was it James, the brother of Jesus? No, because he had already died. No, it was a, it was a lady named Dorcas love that name. We should have another baby just so we could name her Dorcas. What a beautiful name. Let's call her Dorcas. If anybody's baby is named Dorcas, I would like to apologize and tell you it was nice to see you today. And we'll... Anyway, now that you're marching out the back door, no, Dorcas, but her gift wasn't any of that. She wasn't a prophetess. She would, her gift was sewing clothes. She sewed clothes for those around her in the church. And they were that gift was so beautiful in her, and she was so appreciated and so valued that when she died, the church went bonkers because they were so bummed. And if you've been around somebody whose gift is the gift of serving, you know what that feels like. When they're not there, you can feel it. Sometimes when somebody leaves a, something, you know, it's like pulling your hand out of a bucket of water. You, just, you don't even know they're gone. But then there are those when you put your hand in it, it's like putting your hand in a bucket of clay and you pull it out and there's a distinct print left from where they were. And that gift of service that God has wired in some of us, uh, that's what that looks like. And if it is teaching, let him teach. If serving is illustrating uh, truth, teaching is clarifying truth. And Jesus did that, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 5, when he talked about... Uh, if, if you don't, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you, if you've even been angry in your heart towards somebody, he was clarifying the truth, clarifying the law. It says that the simple people, me, by the way, heard him and thought, this guy teaches awesome. He was a teacher, the gift of teaching. It's clarifying truth, making it understandable, so understandable that a kid can get it, teaching the truth. And if it's contributing the needs of others, let him give generously. So in, oh, I skipped encouraging, didn't I? Go back to verse eight. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. And encouragement, man, you've been around these folks before, the, the folks that can encourage you when you're down, they can give you a little kick in the pants to get you back up and running again. It, that, that, it's what happens in a small group environment. It's why we're going to have those here at some point where we're going to, very soon actually, the, to allow that gift of encouragement to be around each other. When Jesus sent the disciples to the other side of the sea, he said, go over there. And then it says that the storm came and they were a little freaked out and a little panicked. Now, they shouldn't have been because Jesus told them to go. So they, were, they should have known they were going to be okay, but they didn't. And here comes Jesus walking out on the water and he says to them, don't fear, be of good cheer. He's encouraging them, the gift of encouragement. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Contributing, that's furthering truth. Because let me tell you what, as cheap as we are about everything we do here to help further the truth, to further the gospel, there are just some things, it costs money to get on a plane and go to Haiti. And there are those in our world whose gift is the gift of giving. All of us are called to give all of us are called to encourage all of us, but some of us have a gift for it. Some of us, we're writing our tithe check out, it's like, okay, that is $363.84, rounding down. And 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 you know, look, at least you're tithing, so I'm not busting your chops for that. But some of us, it's different. It's like your gift is to generate revenues and to give them away to the furthering of the truth of the gospel, and we need that. Here, we need it all around the world to further truth with the gift that you have. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. And man, there are those, you know, if if you've been around me, this is going to be a newsflash. This one is not my gift. Administration, I look at spreadsheets and my eyes roll back in my head. But Jesus, when he had 5,000 people, somebody had to say, hey, we need to split these folks into groups of 50 so we can administer this truth administer it properly, and we have those folks around us, I think specifically of Teresa, because God bless her. When you go on a trip with us, Teresa Swain, you, you talk about a spreadsheet and some documentation and some things that are taken care of. That is the gift of administration, and it is a gift that our body needs. We're blessed because Jeremy just came on board this week with the gift of administration. My wife, this whole little operation out here, um, while I'd love to sit and take the credit for this, uh, volunteers, buying the pipe and all this stuff, man, my wife is just driving that stuff because it's a gift that she's got in her life. I, on the other hand, do not have that gift. And I'm okay with it. I, I, you know, and like any of us, we can get into one of these things and we can, we can you know, stumble and trip our way through it. But when we're in our lane, and this is not my lane, okay? we're in our lane, it works beautifully. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And that one is radiating truth. Showing mercy. With our brothers and sisters in Jacmel, Haiti, we are showing mercy to them. Sure, go get a job. Go do, I mean, yeah, in Haiti, right? Go get it. We're showing mercy to them, to this family. And Jesus said to let your light shine. You've heard this passage. But he says that they will see what? Your good works and glorify God in heaven. Let your light shine that they will see your works. Your light isn't us with a billboard. It isn't us with a bullhorn or whatever marching on the Capitol steps. It's us doing good works, and it shines a light and They will glorify God. And there are those that are around us, man, they have the gift of mercy. Jesus, when he went to Lazarus' house and Lazarus had died, it says that he wept. Now, keeping in mind, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. But he empathized with them, and he wept. And the word wept there is the word like kick in the gut kind of weeping. That is what happened to Jesus when he wept at that tomb. He had the gift of mercy. And, man, pray that God would bring many, many more people in our midst with the gift of mercy because our world needs it, and it is one of the most profound ways of radiating truth is by showing mercy. Now, that is it. Seven gifts of the Spirit. Again, you might say, but I always thought there was 19 or there was innumerable. The only time that gifts and gifts in spirit are used is in this passage. These are the gifts that the, that the Lord has given to us to deliver. And you are a little U-Haul truck designed to drive around and give out your gift of encouragement or mercy or whatever it is. You're delivering your gifts. How do I know what it is? Think with me on this. Let's say I kicked the bucket this afternoon. And you have been tapped to be the new pastor of Conduit Church. Think with me, like what would you, you look at our little body and think, oh man, I, there's a, I, this is the first thing I do to straighten this place up. What would that be? If you're into prophecy, you'd be like, yeah, we really need to have more truth. We got to be speaking the truth, declaring the truth, get these people whipped into shape with the truth. And if you're prophecy, that's probably what you'd be doing. If yours was serving, you'd say, Man, we just, there's so much need in our community. We need to be doing more serving. We need to be in the community, serving our community, loving on our community. If it was teaching, you'd be like, Darren, I'm glad you kicked the bucket. Now we're gonna be doing more hermeneutics and homilutics and halfway in between aneutics. We're gonna dig deep into the word and teaching. And if it's encouraging, Man, we're going to dive into these small groups cuz we got to get on that soul level with each other and encourage each other with the truth. If it's administration, you're like, man, there's a big need for that right now. We're going to administer this thing into the ground. Man, we're going to you guys need to get your act together. It's almost like Seinfeld. Remember Festivus? Anybody? No. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> because your gift, that's our tendency would be to say, whatever your gift is, I need to we need to, I should say, do that and it's as a pastor You hear this a lot. Well, here's what we need to do. I think we need to do this. And it's awesome because what you begin to see is as someone is saying what we need to be doing is you're revealing the gift that God has wired within you. If someone were to walk in, I were to say, you know, to Kyle, hey, could you go get me a glass of water? And if he were to come back in and he were to trip and fall and spill the water all over the place, what would your reaction to that be, right? Besides, like, is he okay? And then you laugh. No. Everybody would be like, ah, and some of you would be like, your first reaction would be to go and to get a, a mop and a broom and, and to get that figured out and, and to clean it up immediately. Some of you might say, you know, look, uh, Kyle, thus saith the Lord, as you're walking in, you know, you'd be careful of the pitfalls of life that might befall you and, uh, because you maybe your gift is prophecy. If it's giving, you're like, man, we should never have these slick floors in here. I'm going to write a check and we're going to get some carpet in here. We're going to fix that. We're going to, you, whatever your reaction is to a given situation, In the body of Christ, including and not limited to that, a situation in the body of Christ, whatever your reaction is, is most likely your gift. Now, the problem we can run into is this. I get to thinking, I'm a a, a teaching guy, so I I get to thinking that's what we need to do. It all evolves through that. And if you're a mercy person or if you're an encouraging person, what you can end up doing is thinking, man, everybody's got this all wrong because they're not doing it. Can't I mean, can he not see? what's going on here? And the answer is no, probably not because God didn't wire him that way. He wired you that way. And if you're thinking, man, I need to, this is what we really need to get together, you're probably right and God might be just tapping you on the shoulder to be the one to do it. Maybe, because he's wired you that way. And understand this, there are seven of these gifts listed. The number of seven in the Bible represents perfection, perfect complete. If we have all seven of these operating in our midst, then whatever situation we encounter, we would have the perfect response to it as a church. That's why when I hear somebody like Ann Rice say, I'm checking out of Christianity, because there's a bunch of hoodlums and hypocrites, and absolutely. I've I've heard it said before, but if you find the perfect church, don't go to it, because you're going to mess it up. And And the reason is, is because we... We all are levels of that, but the, the, the point I'm making with that is specifically that we need each other bad, and we're going to have some hoodlums and some idiots and everywhere, right? And Jesus died for that idiot just like he died for you. The same blood that was shed for your sins was also shed for that hypocrisy, and we all stand on a level playing field before the Lord. Now, if we're taking ourselves out of a body of believers where we don't have the opportunity to encounter a situation with all seven of these gifts together, then we're in danger. We're isolated and we're off from it. But if we're together, we're going to have somebody who knows how to administrate it. We're going to know somebody who can teach our way through it. Somebody who can encourage us, somebody who can financially support it because all seven of them together operating beautifully and functioning properly, man, that is the bride of Christ. And that is why he said, if you are a hand or a thumb, he he uses that metaphor of a body. If everybody's doing their part, man, if you don't think your big toe is important, cut it off and see how that works out for you. Everything's important. And instead of trying to tape a thumb to your forehead, man, keep it where it is and then you can eat nachos. Because the opposable thumb you know the thumb is very important appendage. Keep your thumb where it is. Don't tape it to your kneecap. Be who we are. Be where you're wired to be. Think with how God has wired you. And I just want to tell you we need you. At conduit, the body of Christ as a whole, we need you. We need more encouragers. We need more people working in mercy. We need more people giving. We need more people teaching. We need people who will say that what has God wired me to do and I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go deliver that around. If it's in my day job, if it's in my hobby, if it's in Haiti, if it's on a Sunday morning environment where we need more people to serve. What is it that God has wired you to do? And I promise you this, and we're going we're gonna to land. So, I mean, worship team, if you want to come back, get your tray tables up, your seat right, backs up to their upright position, we're coming in. We might circle once, but I, we're, we're coming in. <laughs> is that we need you. God has wired you specifically and intrinsically to do something, and if you're not doing it, I can't eat the chips because I don't have the thumb going. I mean, I can, but it's just, you know what I'm saying, it's difficult. It doesn't work properly. And if you're on the sidelines, because you didn't think that I, don't, I didn't feel qualified, I didn't think, I got great news. Every single one of us has one of these primarily operating in our lives. Unwrap it, open up the door, and deliver your package to the body of Christ. Because if I don't have the gift of, encouragement in me i need you because you're the one that delivers that gift to me if i don't have the gift of administration in me can i get an amen i need someone to deliver that package to me because i don't know how to do it we all have to deliver our packages because that's what god has wired our body to do to be and if we allow the spirit to move through us and the gifts We're an unstoppable group of folks. There's no limit to what God can do through us because you're doing your part, I'm doing mine, and we are functioning as God has wired us to function. So ask yourself, what is it that I'm doing? Am I in the wrong lane? I promise you there's great freedom if you just get over to the right one. Am I hiding my gift under the the bushel, as as Jesus said in his metaphor? Man, unpack it and share it with all of us. And you will have an amazing life in the present as God meets it back to you. You'll have an amazing life in the future as you and I are sunning ourselves on the beaches of Lake Whatever in heaven with the rewards that we've had for that. I want to pray for us. And as we worship today, understand that we have communion available every week. And maybe it would be an opportunity for you to say, God, I am sorry. This gift that you paid for on the, pri- on the cross for me, that I have been holding back and hiding. Uh, a moment of repenting isn't just boo-hoo and snot. It's just changing your mind. I'm changing the direction that I'm going. And there's no better place than to do that than at the table of bread and of, of, of blood of Christ, the body and the blood of Christ. No better reminder for us than that it's available for us and as we worship maybe, maybe God just wants you to sit down and write some notes out to yourself to write yourself a little note of what it is that God is doing in your heart and as we do this, as we worship know that there will be some buckets that will appear magically on your table and that's an opportunity for you to, to give and to be a part of our church financially if you're a visitor, don't worry this hang out with us, but that's there and those visitor cards could go there But most importantly, if you don't do anything else today, ask yourself, what is the gift that God has given me and how can I properly deliver it to the world around me? Father, thank you for your gifts. Might your word be a lamp to our feet today to show us the direction and the path that you have for us. Revealing and opening that gift that we could give it to the world that you have given to us. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.